0: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peek.
1: We are here, episode 120, with Becca. Hi. Hi, she's here. Everyone's having a great week. Yes. Good. Good.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic week. We hired
1: yes, our new
0: person. Awesome. They accepted. Right. We will introduce you to them on a future date. That's
2: great.
0: little programming note we have still found that it's easier overall to have three people on an episode than four. We'll still have more people hop in now and then, but the team's going to be rotating in one at a time just to keep things simpler on the production end for us. So go to marketproofmarketing.com and vote for your favorite guest. Oh, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: where Kevin go don't vote a free. right yeah
0: sorry I guess I'll have to take it's a break it's the
1: Bryce Becca Julie um, show
0: I like it Julie can totally Funny. have my spot she's she's <laughs> doing done a great job for us as well as Bryce okay moving on quick update on events so um, the Pulse we've got over 250 probably get to 300 before we're oh, cool. done or blast past it other people who have had virtual events that are not free Because virtual events that are free are often worth the price of admission. (laughs) but Virtual (laughs) events that are not free still say that there's often a huge rush at the end. So we'll be ready for it if it happens. But I'm thrilled with uh, the folks we've already got coming in as well. Thanks again to all 18 of the amazing sponsors of the program. Uh, It's going to be fantastic. And by the time you yeah, like, hear this, there will be less than a week to go. Until...
1: I like what you said on the live yesterday was where would the industry be without those 18 people?
0: Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. If you like, look at that list of people, I'm going to pull it up right now, actually, yeah, and just like, you scroll through there. That's
1: a good point. Like,
0: <laughs> like yep. Okay, so I, I'm going to say them all again, but this is not just to give them a shout out, but that just in your mind's eye, imagine all these companies not existing and how your business as a builder would have been affected when the pandemic hit. Lasso, Open Door, O'Neill Interactive, Novi Home, Bomb Bomb, A New Go and Rendering House, Homebridge, Clear Evaluations, Avid Rating, Outhouse, BDX, Focus 360, Box Brownie, Zilla New Construction, Tutan Creative, U Tour, The Davies Imaging Group, and Enter Now. Like you take yeah. those away. It's crazy. <laughs> the best websites are gone. <laughs> the best CRMs are gone. The best syndication partners are gone. The best rendering, you know, it's just, holy smokes. We're, we're left with nothing but the MLS all over again. So yeah, it's, That'd be sad. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah it really is. We also, don't forget to check the events page at deconvert.com for information on the Online Sales Academy as well as the Marketproof Marketing Academy. What are those things? We don't have enough time to tell you about them all right now. You'll hear more about them later, but they're uh, unique, one-of-a-kind opportunities to get extremely interactive in a small group setting with Do You Convert, either related to online sales or digital marketing. And a great opportunity, especially for those of you who aren't able to work with us on a regular basis, but you want to kind of see how things are done and, and and get baptized by by fire, so to speak, by our methodologies and systems and processes, that's going to yeah. be there for you. All right. A little thing happened, just as a tease, and then probably show the, the title of the episode will give it away, but Zillow did a thing this week, so there's going to be quite a bit of news and discussion around that. We may also have some folks join us from outside of the new home industry, because I'm always interested to hear general real estate's feedback on what's going on as well. Um, so if we get those, uh, we'll, we'll insert them in between uh, one of the breaks coming up. But let's start, as always, with story time. I'll go first, actually, because this was super fun for me. One of our builder partners, their marketing director is on maternity leave. And so the VP of sales and marketing, who marketing is not the strong part, def- definitely the sales part is stronger. Text me in a little bit of a, of a panic. Hey, can we talk today or tomorrow? Because I've got to go meet the, the developer for one of our communities who's not happy with how they feel like the community should be marketed. It, the hmm. community is not... Huh. Um, completely broken, but it's also not meeting our internal goals or the developer's goals. And he's convinced it's because of how we're going to market on the property. And PS, he wants a lot of billboards. That's his answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And so like Batman with the bat signal in the sky, I was like, you had me up billboards. I'll clear my schedule, whatever I need to do to help you. We will save this money from being thrown into the toilet. So, and what we used, and this is fun. It, I love, I love everyone who's listening. I, what, what I love about you all is, I mentioned a high five to Ryan Snar, a destination for using a particular tool, reporting tool that we use with our builder partners, and how he is consistent at sending it to me. I had uh, this is not an exaggeration that sometimes influencers do. Five different people reach out to me via text and email and say. I'm either going to start doing that because like there's this invisible competition with anyone mentioned on the <laughs> podcast. I just want to be the best. And that's one reason why you guys are awesome. And the other one was people just saying like, hey, what is this mysterious report? And so what's great is it reminded me how amazing it is. And we're going to find a way to share that with everyone at The Pulse as well. But here's the approach or the methodology. If, and I'll just open it up to you guys real quick. This is extended story time. I like it. If you were gonna go meet with a developer who wanted you to do more of something, what what would be your thoughts as a way to approach this? So you know they're coming in hot of you guys don't talk enough about my neighborhood. I need billboards because without billboards, no one knows this place exists. Any
3: I would wanna show traffic we're generating and outcome from appointments and sales.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. And, it, like, and in particular, in comparison to all the we, other neighborhoods, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this builder is in Texas. They have over uh, probably 25, 30 neighborhoods. Oh. And this is the only one that really comes up on a regular basis. So it's, it's on its own. And so you're right. Absolutely. We'd want to show all that information. But in context to, hey, we're not broken everywhere. We're just broken here. But the trick is, how do you do that in a way that tells the developer nicely that it's their fault and they feel good about acknowledging that it might be uh, a shared fault in terms of product pricing, positioning, how the community looks, the community entrance monument, all those things rolled up into one. The nicest way I know to say it is your community isn't really even hitting our average goals. Like if we get a thousand people to look at a community page, typically, in that month, we would sell three homes, two from online and one from walk-in. And we got you significantly more than that thousand. And we got two leads. <laughs> mm. And by the way, the bounce rate was the same. Time on page was the same as the averages. It's so like, everything's good, except for you're just not interesting. And I would, I would do that in a Columbo, for those of you who are over 35 and might know who Columbo is, go check YouTube. He's an he's a investigator in the 80s. And he always he dressed like a bum. He looked like a bum with a trench coat,
4: and everyone thought
0: he was stupid. And he'd always be like, "Uh, one more question," and then he would put it all together and like trap the the perpetrator in his line of questioning. Okay, when they would (laughs) never suspect it. And in a way, that's what we're doing with this developer and the scenario is saying, "Man, you know what? We just can't figure this out because we are getting more people to consider your neighborhood than our average community." And it's performing at one-eighth of the results. So yeah, we agree. Like we're not happy either. Let's take a look at some of the reasons historically why that community might be hitting at one-eighth of where it normally is. And now it becomes a more collaborative process and you're kind of doing the, uh, I don't know, but you do know. You're just letting them, them say it and kind of come up with it. And my favorite part from all this is shot a quick Loom video I plugged in the real numbers and, and got the report set up for her because she's not a marketer. She's a VP of sales and marketing. But she sent me a, a text message back with an animated GIF of like an eight-year-old girl giving the thumbs up or like <laughs> fist bump action. And she was nice. like, went good then. that went perfect. nailed it, and Nailed <laughs> it. And it's just such an amazing report. So developer meetings... Especially where they're trying to tell you what to do from a marketing perspective, it's really helpful to look at your community averages of how much traffic do we need to get to a community, how many appointments should be generated, how many leads should come from that, or how, how many sales should come from those appointments. And wherever it's falling off, go back to episode number four, podcast number four, and we break all that down. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to include this, uh, this report to all the Pulse attendees as well so i 'm excited it was it was fun i 've I've definitely gone back to that, and I feel like I need to write a book just about that report and how it works
1: it's like a, it's like a playbook what's yeah. the um there's this this is funny like uh, a little bit ago I was waiting to jump on the podcast, so i 'm like flipping through Instagram for a second, and like a reel popped up with this this guy 's name is old school real estate I, there's something like i don 't know who even knows if he 's involved <laughs> in real estate no idea, but he has these like 22nd things and he sits there smoking a cigar he's like from the south maybe he's late 60s big dude and he's like numbers don't lie people lie but numbers don't lie all this stuff and i'm like well this is essentially the more sophisticated intellectual version of of what he's talking about Um, and he was referencing like rentals or something like that but i'm like well the numbers are there like you can't you can't disagree with the numbers. Well,
0: and when the percentages are so far off from where they should be, that's what made this example so great is at the current poor conversion of qualified traffic looking on the website to to only getting a small number of leads, they would have to push more eyeballs to just that community than the builder gets an entire month for all locations. So it's just like, this is absurd. We can't solve this. By Billboard running more ads, it. it's just not Sorry.
1: possible. Right. Did she say what the what was the solution? No, so
0: that is definitely my follow-up. Oh, and we've been the housing tees. her for years, by the way, to come, not years, for months to come on the podcast. And she used this terrible excuse of, I'm having my first b- child uh, as a reason to delay, but we are going to have her on. <laughs> I'm we will, having. We will, unmasked, uh, we, we will unmask the masked VP of sales and marketing when she gets here. I'll let you know that it's her. Yeah. Um, she, she's fantastic, but it was it was something new for her, and it was just always always good to see data being used to tell a good story that gives an excuse for other people to change their minds. So no billboards, no billboards are coming. God. Praise the Lord! I God. do know that. All right, Becca, you got something else for us?
3: Yeah. So we had another builder partner um, this week. They're launching their new site, and the mm-hmm. first thing I always do when I go to the site is check the. Facebook Pixel, and <laughs> the Google tag. It's important. Yeah. So the Facebook Pixel made it over and we're set to go. Just got to update some links.
0: I think that is such an interesting question that sometimes, well, one, good, good job to, to the developer for doing this properly. Yeah. But I'm still trying to figure out what is the use case for when you want to start with a new analytic account or a new Pixel?
1: Hmm. I, I don't. Can,
0: can you think of one, Andrew? I can't.
1: I'm trying to think. I'm trying to like. There, I'm thinking like in my brain. There has to be a reason why. It's a total blind spot for me. Unless you're backed into a corner because you, it's not your account. Like it's not your. Sure. If if you don't have access,
0: and they're willing to get you access, but otherwise, the answer is
1: yes. I want the same. uh
0: I want the same, everything in the tag manager that was there yes. from an analytic and pixel perspective and even AdWords potentially or Google ads. Sorry, I still call it. Yeah, call it the Google.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't, I need to look it up and, and like see if I could pull um, our builder partners accounts by age and see if there is some unspoken correlation between like an older account having lower CPCs and the amount of time they've been running Google ads.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: old, maybe. School, old school meant that you know, an old account that's always been running ads will always have a lower CPC. I don't oh, know that's if that's to it. I
0: don't think so. Who knows?
1: I wouldn't I know think so either. Not in but our
0: industry anyway. No. All right. Let's get to the news. And starting off, something that has slowly been changing over time. I think it was probably around three years ago, Facebook was like, hey, uh, ad images with over 20% text, 15% text, whatever that, that percentage was, Originally, it was, you're not going to run it. Then it was like, well, we'll let you run it, but it might not be delivered as often. And now, da 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 from Social Media Today, thank you, Julie, for finding this one. As it was happening on September 22nd, Facebook is removing its restrictions on text content in Facebook ad images. I'm going to put an asterisk on this, though. And before we even get into the article, the reason they removed it probably has to do with what any guesses you guys have already read through this i imagine but
1: i think i'm guessing well i have to i I don't remember seeing that part in there but i i guess then that's a guess if i didn't see an answer (laughs) right um (laughs) elections i think Uh and i would think for just to make it easier for smaller businesses just yeah. to like not so that, have to worry about rules. That's the practical
0: why. I, I think the strategic why is they don't need to anymore because their computer vision system is good enough to identify all that text and turn it in, in an image and turn it into text that their AI and their teams mm-hmm. can analyze quickly for Ooh. terms that are just like we talked about gosh a year and a gotcha. half ago where if you you have a picture of a of a woman in a kitchen oh, yeah The alt text of that image started to show you what the AI could see. So it would say woman and kitchen. Yeah, Um, that's weird. I I, I just think it's almost unrelated. So it's kind of no news, but it gets people excited. Because let's face it, a lot of advertisers, not us, but a lot of advertisers feel like they've lost opportunity and tools Mm -hmm. when it comes to social. I think this is their PR attempt of like, Hey, guys, it doesn't matter anymore because we can still adjust the delivery the way we think it should be adjusted based upon what the text is because we can read it even if it's just an image. So let's make people feel like this is a win. I mean, it does say we will no longer penalize ads with higher amounts of text. Yeah. But, but it doesn't say to what extent. It, uh, I mean, it says not, no penalty at all. I don't, I don't buy that.
1: Yeah, and it's still. I still don't think they'll perform as well. And I think in this mm-hmm. article, that's does, what I
0: mean. There still will be an inherent penalty
1: vicious. because yes.
0: if you do it poorly, people aren't going to want to interact with it, which will then get it pushed down in terms of delivery.
1: Still looks yeah. like an ad mm-hmm. versus like, oh yeah, let me explore those houses versus if it's, I don't know. Now I need to. We need to do a new case study. I'm sure Igor pulses all over this. Oh there yeah, be they will have it,
0: one, but, but we'll we'll do another test too. I think the biggest news. For me, here on this takeaway is this is not this is not an excuse to go like Facebook is my new source to send out digital flyer type looking stuff. Because to your point, there's still this cops and robbers game, and there we talked about it before. Like having the button of read more, view more, whatever. Mm -hmm. Having the actual button on Facebook does reduce effectiveness. That's just the button. So imagine if you've got a bunch of salesy text in there. There's no doubt you're reducing effectiveness.
3: Yeah. It's
1: almost like making it harder to find the link will make the people more interested, click the link, and then that gives better feedback to Facebook to find the right people.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and again, that's where the penalty is in deliverability or or reach and impressions. However, they have, because of that computer vision, a better idea of who should and who shouldn't see it. And who's more likely to take action? So they can say there's no penalty. But if they can read the text and determine who the best match is or maybe decide that there's fewer people who are a good match, that's still a penalty in my book. Still. So I think we've talked all the way around that one. But, but still, it's, it's good news, I think, um, yeah. that you don't have to implicitly worry about that. Mm-hmm. It's more about the overall appeal of the ad now than just the text rule on its own. All right. On to the big story that that broke yesterday morning from inman.com Zillow to hire agents as employees for iBuyer transactions starting in January 2021 and this by the way if no other reason was a good day to be an inman news subscriber <laughs> so if you had taken advantage of that inman that. connect discount with do you convert before which we made no money on it was not a sponsorship it was just Brad being nice uh, when he was on the interview with us. This is a great reason to have. Uh, I had people emailing me like, "Hey, can you see this whole thing? Can you send me a copy of it?"
3: Because
0: <laughs> they wanted to read more details. Like, subscribe. but starting in January 2021, Zillow offers transactions will be managed by a salaried Zillow employee who is licensed to act as a real estate salesperson through Zillow Homes. So. When they buy a house through their iBuyer program, originally it was we will partner with local agents to represent us in that transaction because we don't have agents. And now, I'm not sure if you guys are surprised by this or not. <laughs> they want their own employees who are salaried, and that's an interesting idea in and of itself. Yeah. What do you guys think? Initial thoughts. Unfiltered. No, no think... wrong answers. Yeah
3: from the consumer point of view, that it's going to be a lot more smooth. So for me, if I was going to sell my house to Zillow, I would talk to Zillow, and then I would talk to a real estate agent, and then I would talk to Zillow again. And then there's just a lot of logistics and things that can get lost between jumping between the the different people involved. And if I just had, if I had one contact at Zillow that I could talk through and organize the whole process, then I would have a much smoother, more relaxing sales process, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think keeping it all the same will be a better transaction for this consumer. And then the salary makes sense to me. Yeah, Imagine if they're transacting... $50 $50 million in real estate a year. I don't know what one person could handle. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a lot of commission and then who, but I'm sure they uh, have some type of, I'm sure it's incentivized like a salary plus something. Well, would it is.
0: Yeah. Guess. That doesn't mean that salary isn't a great salary if no, you perform yeah. well or that there isn't yeah. performance bonuses. But the idea is one, in some way, potentially you're getting rid of some of the commission breadth of, I just want to give everyone a great service because I'm getting a, a salary and you better believe that Zillow is mm-hmm. going to be, you know, using rating systems and reviews to figure out and get all that feedback on a consistent basis of uh-huh, who should sure. be getting the next, the next transaction opportunity too. Right. So yeah. I think it's interesting from that standpoint. And Becca, you stole the words right out of Zillow Group's Chief Industry Development Officer who said Uh uh, in the interview, (laughs) (laughs) they really found out that you need one person that the customer could talk to and they knew that this would be the person that would guide them and shepherd them through the process. Now, uh, what it doesn't say here is it's also to Zillow's benefit to have one person shepherding through the process because when it comes to things that may be shoppable throughout the rest of the, the experience, I'm not saying all agents do this, but some agents would make sure to let you know that you have an option to pick a different mortgage title for title insurance. You might be able to go through someone else. Well, Zillow wants the whole transaction and all pieces of that transaction. So this simplifies that messaging too. Uh, It just Mm -hmm. keeps it streamlined. Whereas once you're dealing with independent folks working for other companies, you can't really control what they're telling the customer through that entire process either.
1: I feel like it'd yeah. be like working with a uh builder's preferred like mortgage yeah. um, partner like they'll say like here's why we work with them. They'll be like when we built with KB like we were hands off in all of it as far as like we didn't have to provide any updates if there was a delay or anything like that. So they gave you the advantages but they're like oh you can do your own thing too like bring you know do what you want but you don't have to worry about a single thing if you use our preferred people. Yeah. Um, so that will keep it smoother. I'm sure the cost will be transparent and competitive I would assume
3: yeah and I would think that the employee for Zillow would kind of be a hybrid of a sales agent and an online salesperson like they would need to be able to help people answer their questions and then follow them through the transaction so how does
1: this thing work and and
0: You know, you there's almost no online salespeople out there who are paid a commission-based, you know, pure commission, like you get X percent of the sale price, right? That just because the volume yeah. is too high of what online salespeople are involved in. So again, that's where the salary makes sense. It doesn't say, again, that they're going to make 50 grand. It, I'm sure it's going to be a good salary for those who are doing 50 million in, in transactions. In a lot of
1: transactions. Imagine they would do, an, I don't unfiltered episode, right? Like, say, if they, they, they might do 200 homes in a year, that could be oh, easy. The, yeah. the lifetime homes a real estate agent, real estate agent
0: could Solve have
3: done.
1: Them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, I don't know. Yep. It's,
3: and they're starting in limited cool. markets. I'm
0: yeah, sorry. they're not going everywhere. They're going to their higher volume I buyer markets, which makes sense. But you have to imagine that the goal is to go national as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. there, there are some other pieces to this puzzle, which we'll get into in other stories. But I think... Again, back to where all this is going. And Zillow stock used to be, I think, in the 30s, not too long ago. It's now right around 100 bucks. Um, Where they want to go, like since launching the platform, I'm quoting from the article here, since launching Zillow offers, the company has launched integrated mortgage, title, and escrow services through Zillow home loans and Zillow closing services. So Samuelson said the company's announcement today brings Zillow closer to creating a one-stop end-to-end transaction platform. And that's where this is not a doomsday scenario. I think there's certainly ways that intelligent folks are partnering with Zillow for the foreseeable future. But someone who controls the transaction end-to-end and also controls the heart and mind of the consumer for a lot of other people and and again this is what makes it so interesting is that open door just got that 40 billion 50 billion dollar infusion by going public uh, redfin uh, it was interesting we were having a conversation earlier and and i think it was bryce mentioned that a lot of her friends who are trying to get a house in the hot market that we're in right now like man all my friends are using redfin because and i don't i, I th- this it didn't catch me off guard, but I didn't realize it was to this extent. She was just saying in her market, um, the data flowing through Redfin was so much more quick in getting updated that when a house is only on the market for three days, they stopped using the... So that's to say, there, Zillow does not have a monopoly here. But in terms of where consumers generally start in, in it, and then the ability to have the end-to-end transaction, that is definitely going to make it a valuable company if they succeed down the line all right so moving on to from the notorious <laughs> rob um let's see i feel like we should go to the who, who is this person to get them see. full credit <laughs> i found this on twitter um <laughs> he is a managing partner of Seven DS associates a strategy consulting firm in the real estate industry it looks He's, like a very intelligent you say
1: associates in your name like you're i don't know you convert and associates. That is make sense. <laughs> right. DYC in associates. Yeah.
0: So, um, this ask. is a fantastic article. Thank It for showing us for sure. And we'll just go through some of the main points here. But this is kind of a, a general real estate market opinion from someone who is saying, well, the headline says it all. Don't force Zillow into a corner.
1: Dirty dancing reference. Right.
3: And it's got a picture of a grizzly bear.
1: Yes. So <laughs> I think
0: part tree. of this is, and, and it gets to it at the end, Zillow's market cap, I think, is around $22 billion as of the recording of this. Yeah. So it's a little bit of like Zillow is an, a wild creature that you don't want to get stuck in the corner because then what happens to those creatures? They attack. It's, it's almost an outset of like, we need to partner correctly with this animal or else it's going to tear our heart out <laughs> if <laughs> yeah, we're not careful. <laughs> so let's get right into it. And these are just the, the subheadings of his article. One, Zillow is our competition. And um, I think Brad Edmond in his interview uh, with the folks at Zillow was like, is this news? Should we be surprised? Yes. To some extent, it would be irrational to say that Zillow is in no way competition any other industry really any other business that is in real estate Um, it is part of our competition that doesn't mean you can't partner with it strategically and there's a lot of people who have made a lot of money partnering with zillow strategically the second one which is more interesting to me is that it's zillow is forcing change Um, so it's it's forcing change from the consumer by giving them opportunities they didn't know they were missing and now they couldn't live without in terms of information about properties and estimates and, and transaction detail that you used to have to go to the auditor sites to find and uh, floor plans being created from photos on existing homes, all those things we talked about before. Now, okay, here, here's where it really gets interesting. Zillow is joining with the MLS and changing to MLS IDX feeds. So this is actually, for the tech heads listening, A bigger news story than the first part, I think. Yeah. In terms of how data is going to be flowing into Zillow, I'm just going to read from the article here for a minute. Bear with me. The second big news that dropped was that concurrently with bringing its market-making business in-house, Zillow will fully join the MLS as a participant and utilize the MLS IDX feed to power its dominant website. And yes, this means that Zillow will also be joining NAR and its licensees will become realtors because many MLSs require realtor membership to join. This is actually a far bigger change than the first one. I, I, yes, I, I guess I subliminally took that from him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I agree. So what this is saying is any existing home or inventory home in builder speak will need to come through the MLS. Whereas currently, you can choose to send your existing inventory homes that are built or uh, in the field to Zillow directly. That's a bit, pretty big change. Um, there's a lot of technical reasons why that's important to, to comp- comprehend because your local MLS may have restrictions on the amount of content. For example, not too long ago, the, the Pittsburgh MLS, when I was there, I wanna say they had like a 15 image limit and there was file size limitations. And so it's like, how are we gonna get our featured videos to to the platform? And, And I'm sure Zillow will have to help everyone understand that. But also there's a lot of builders who currently don't use the MLS at all because you have to have a broker's license or pay a real estate agent a flat fee to get all those things loaded in. And there are services like in the Ohio market, I think it's HMS um, Home Services uh, is, is a flat fee broker where if rent a broker is what we used to call it back in the day where you pay them like $200 a house and they just make sure that everything gets in the MLS accurately. But if you're yeah. a builder who currently doesn't put things in the MLS, Zillow's got to figure out a way to make that easy for you to, to help you do that or you're going to have to assign an internal resource to go that direction. Now, the good news is, currently my understanding is that floor plans and community-level data for homes to be built or, or the community-level stuff can still be fed from your website, kind of as is. Maybe a little bit of, of tweak to the, to the feed coming in is necessary, but it's still going to be fed by the back end of your existing website. So... It might not sound like much, but for those of you who understand some of the technical stuff involved in here, I I agree with the author that this is a bigger impact, um, potentially. The first one's not surprising. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. That Zillow would hire agents to sell their own homes. And maybe five years from now, agents from Zillow that are involved in everything. Like, that's not surprising. What is surprising is that Zillow has historically pushed away from the MLS as an archaic, slow way of doing it, and for them to switch to this is 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 interesting.
1: And why? Why do you think they is this because of Kim Broker? They have to
0: part of that. And he actually goes on uh, to that in the article. So this is where it comes down to. It does not help to push Zillow into a corner. Basically, the MLS is extremely valuable, and hopefully, some of our guests will be able to articulate this better than I can, not being a realtor myself. But the MLS is still, in some ways, even though it can be archaic, the crown jewel of what, what realtors have at their disposal.
3: So... There's also room for improvement, right? So if, mm-hmm. if Zillow buys in, then all of a sudden they maybe have some extra capital to make improvements for the archaic parts and allow more images uh, more space for descriptions and maybe even an API that beats from your website over to your MLS. So mm-hmm. you don't have to put things in both places.
0: Yes, that that that's a huge win is for the builders who are putting things in MLS frequently being overwritten or having two listings show up and not like, well, one goes to the builder, one goes to an agent if the lead gets filled out. What's yeah. happening here? Why are there two? Some have older photos than another. It just made troubleshooting all that a lot harder. Um, I think the MLS go, comes down to, it's the way to guarantee that they're getting the data. So MLS rules yeah. about the free-flowing information to other MLS members in the IDX feed means gotcha. that other companies who are upset with Zillow for making this change can't just be like, all right, fine, you don't get our data because you're not a member of the MLS. So I you can't, can't have, have it anymore,
1: right? I <laughs> remember. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, this is where the article really gets interesting, is now, why, does it, why do we not want to push Zillow into a corner? So he says, let's play through a few hypothetical scenarios to see how this could play out. One, let's mess around with the MLS data. The first and most obvious counter to Zillow joining the MLS would be to make a variety of changes to screw around with a member's access to, the, to that data. I don't know what that might be, but let's just say that the MLSs do a variety of things that make it harder or impossible for Zillow to continue operating with the MLS IDX feed that they want to do. And this is just so classic. He's like, what do you think happens next? Does Rich Barton just announce, hey, we're going to close up shop because the MLS makes it hard for us to get the data. <laughs> like, That's not happening. It has, nope. Zillow has over $2 billion in cash. They're worth $22 billion. They quite literally, in the author's words, own the online real estate space. No one else is even close to the 218 million monthly visitors. So guess what? You cut them out of the MLS or screw around with the data, they're just going to make the MLS eventually, to some extent, irrelevant because they'll build their own better system. They will Mm -hmm. find a way. They will spend the money to find a way. They're just not going to give up. Again, that idea of pushing them in a corner might make it worse for you than simply, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. But also you can still beat them in a lot of ways. If you're, if you're branding correctly, have good technology partners, you can be more personal in a highly valued transaction, like a home, you can win your unfair share of that business. But just going straight off, and that's what a lot of general real estate folks do is that this is terrible. How could they do this? Again, did you not see this coming? But the other one would be to cut (laughs) off their money. Um, Meanwhile, for, <laughs> the other, the other caca from the industry is a bunch of agents and brokers saying, you need to stop spending money on Zillow. You morons who gave Zillow money just funded your competition and so on. Meanwhile, Zillow has for years been saying, if you're not the very best, we don't want your money. They've taken actions like best of Zillow to show that they're serious. Most of the agents saying the above wouldn't be allowed to buy Zillow leads today. The game has changed a long time ago under Spencer Raskoff, the former CEO. So this idea of, look, they're not... They, Zillow has wanted to partner with agents who are the best to make sure that the overall customer experience and connection to their brand is the best. That's been their strategy all along. So the folks who are like, I'm going to take my $200 and go home and they can't afford to spend more than $200 because they don't do enough transactions because they're not professional enough or who, who knows what, what reasons why. Okay. That's nice. You know, they're gonna gonna ignore that that idea.
1: Yeah, I like how he he brings up the point. Like if it's working, even if you don't like the platform, you're not gonna cut the budget. Same like with Google Ads. If you don't like Google, you're not gonna cut Google. Same with Facebook. If it's working, the real estate agents will keep sending their money to Zillow.
0: Yep. So he closes out here. I'll just read this part. If you force Zillow to become a competitor, it will. If you force Zillow to become a national MLS, it will. If you force Zillow to become the evil empire, it will. (laughs) Fair competition is perfectly normal and natural. I personally am looking forward to the competition that the new open door will bring to Zillow. Realtor and Redfin have been competing against Zillow for years. They'll all come up with something. And and I agree. I mean, eventually this comes down to two or three companies figuring out the solution. But again that's the solution that for the foreseeable future has to be done at a national or big scale level. And that leaves plenty of room for the right actors doing the right things to be successful at the local, the the truly hyper local level. So thank you, notorious ROB. We will reach out to him and see if he wants to hop on the podcast at some point in the future to articulate those ideas even more, but that was awesome. And then last but not least, what he predicted would happen (laughs) 30% of agents this is from inman.com 30% of agents plan to decrease ad spend on zillow realtor.com curators co-founders say agents are starting to realize they do not need a middleman and can go directly to consumers now this is an interesting idea and chris smith is a great guy again hopefully hope to have him on the podcast or his co-founder at curator Really smart. It's no secret. I don't think though that Chris has not been a fan of Zillow or the idea of a middleman for a long time either. And, um, and so they asked the question, what changes to your digital advertising spend do you anticipate making in the second half of 2020? And um, 47% plan to increase, but they're not, they're not planning to increase with a syndication partner. The number one channel that agents plan to spend more money on is social media, specifically Facebook and Instagram, followed by video, with more than half of agents saying they plan to spend more on each of those. So direct-to-consumer is also the path that you know mattress companies and eyeglass companies and you mm-hmm. name it, that's, that's the hot thing. It's an interesting idea to think of a tech company like Zillow being, <laughs> being considered part of the old guard, and we're just going to go direct-to-consumer.
1: Yeah, I feel like so curator if uh-huh. are you familiar with how they sell? Yeah, um,
0: that's, that's a service. So yes, they they're, yeah. they're selling the Facebook idea ads. of getting rid of the middleman, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: and they, they sell so they sell Facebook ads essentially Facebook ad consulting whatever service to real estate agents by the zip code, which I don't know how they're doing that now because Yeah the mile radius and stuff. Interesting. Is, is yeah. Really and interesting.
0: they do, they also do landing pages and they do website mm-hmm. designs. They, they do more than that, but that's probably the most high profile thing that they, that's their core
1: there thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's, I'm like, I don't know the direct to consumer. You're like, Oh, that sounds really fancy. It's like, no, let's uh, Builders are direct to consumer. If you think about like, if you want to put yep. that word, yep. Facebook ad to the builders website. Um,
0: There's no without, doubt that the answer is correct. Like my, my, Thing that I've asked a lot of people over the last couple of weeks, and it's even more relevant now, is who has more home buyers: Zillow mm. or Facebook and Instagram? And a lot of people, their initial answer is Zillow, or they would say, "Well, certainly, um, Zillow knows the more qu- most qualified home buyers." And I don't think that's true. In fact, Andrew h- has shown us how, with the Facebook Pixel, you can see the data that Facebook is learning. Oh, yeah. In the pixel. Yeah. It actually tells you <laughs> what is Facebook and Instagram learning about what you're looking at right now if the mm-hmm. pixel is used. It's really cool. And on Zillow, once you go to an, an, ex- an, uh, an individual listing, you can see the zip code, the home, uh, sometimes the price range that the search is being done. And so whatever Zillow is learning, Facebook and Instagram is learning more. And it's only mm-hmm. a one-way street. Facebook and Instagram cannot, will not, unless Zillow buys it via an ad the same way we would, isn't sharing information back to Zillow. So there is truth to, to what the folks at Curator are saying. It's just a question of how well can you execute on that idea from beginning to end? Because you've got you've to have that whole thing down through the entire customer journey.
1: Yeah, it's, I feel like it's almost similar. This is simplifying it. Like back to the mattress example, there's more mattress buyers on Facebook than there are on Amazon, right? But will someone they get shown purple? I think it's one of the big brands, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. egg demonstration, all this stuff for the mattress. And then through this journey, you're like purple, 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 they start seeing remarketing for purple all this stuff. Will they eventually go to Amazon, who's the big e- e-commerce giant, to look at mattresses? And then do they go back to purple? Which is a little different because it'll be in the do you buy from purple direct or purple on amazon but yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
0: and the answer yeah. is they will They'll do both if yeah. wherever else they're going doesn't have great content mm-hmm. and ux and yep. great calls to action and a great online team to follow up and answer questions that's what i mean by the answer is yes mm-hmm. no doubt the, the the number of builders who are positioned correctly to go direct to consumer and say we don't need zillow at all that's yeah. hard now yeah. The other things to consider though is there everyone has fewer inventory homes than they ever had if any left. So, if any. That's time, historically yeah. been where most builders have seen the most value is by promoting existing inventory because it's easier to convince someone who's shopping for an existing home to consider your home that's already done or almost done and ready to move into. So there's, there's no shortage of things to consider. And, and we've already, in the first couple of days of this announcement, had many, many conversations with our builder partners about how to, how to think through this. But never a dull moment. Thank you, Zillow, for spicing things up this week. <laughs> I know.
1: That's good. All the future spiciness will be fun too.
0: <laughs> yep. All right. If we are successful in getting any other folks from the general real estate side to hop in, any of our former guests or, or other folks that we're connected to, Uh, We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with them. All right, first up. From varying perspectives on what Zillow's move means and its impact on both customers and uh, partners, Um, I'm using air quotes, it's a joke, Zillow partners with lots of people in, in, in an actual way, but some partners are feeling a little bit sad about the move. And so joining us first here is Deidre Willard, editor with Million Acres, a Motley Fool company, and someone who has a long track record of writing and watching the real estate space. Thanks very much for joining us today.
4: Thank you. Excited to talk about this. And
0: just give everyone a quick synopsis of what Million Acres is and how it's, what the purpose of the site is, and and what you do there.
4: So Million Acres is a free site for all things real estate investing. Everything from investing in stocks like Zillow to REITs to also rental property owners and things like that. And then we have a couple of premium services that are similar to Motley Fool services with uh, stock recommendations and things like that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Motley Fool has always um, been one of the go-to places. I mean, CNBC and Motley Fool is where I feel like I get 98% of my financial (laughs) information and insights. So again, great to be on here. So you uh, didn't necessarily break the story, but but you wrote a fantastic article uh, on the Million Acres site uh, titled Zillow Plans to Create Real Estate Brokerages. And so give us the context here from your perspective uh, and your viewpoint of what's going on.
4: Well, what's happening is that Zillow, I mean, they're not exactly creating real estate brokerages, but they are becoming a licensed brokerage. And they've been a licensed brokerage in many markets for years, partly because of the Flex program, which is the program where agents get get the leads and then pay a fee when there's a closed transaction. So they've been working on that program for a while and that required them to be licensed. But this is the first time that Zillow has said that they're going to have like employees who are licensed, and I think the interesting thing is they're not saying they're going to recruit agents. Um, there was a video that Emilson, who is our industry or chief industry officer, I believe, put out, and he said that they're not recruiting agents. They're going to turn employees. In, their employees are going to become licensed.
0: Hmm. So, and I I know part of the conversation around here and some of the frustration comes from, and you referenced it in your article in 2014. Greg, Greg Schwartz, Zillow's then chief revenue officer. Say to the Zillow was, quote, a media company that helps people find homes. And so that, that always leads to kind of two questions. One, are we surprised by this or not? And then two, does it even matter if w- where Greg was coming from at that point, because now the company has found itself for, for lots of different reasons needing to do this? So, first, oh. are you surprised?
4: I don't think I'm surprised because I'm a part of a lot of real estate agent groups on Facebook, and all of them have been saying this for years and years and years. So I think a lot of people kind of feel vindicated and are pointing at it and going, look, look, we told you. And that's been part of the pushback of like, don't buy leads from Zillow, don't make longer. That has existed in the real estate industry for years. And they did pivot from being a media company, both Greg Schwartz and Spencer Always used to say that. And then a few years ago, they stopped saying that. And when they pivoted toward iBuying, when they started doing mortgages and really creating a sort of like single platform for transactions, that really changed.
0: Yeah. And in many ways, internal and external things have driven them to this, right? So, from a financial perspective, talk about why the, the stock and the pressure to deliver results and, and might have necessitated some of this change in strategy, even if originally in 2014, they didn't see this happening, at least not at this time.
4: Well, at that time, their main source of revenue was the premier agent program. So for, and that's always been how Zillow has made its money is selling leads to agents and brokers. And I think part of what may have happened here is that it be, it became it's become less valuable. I mean, the program is still growing. Revenue was down, I believe it was uh, 17% in the second quarter, partly because they gave a lot of discounts during uh, COVID. But yeah. they're predicting that program to have revenue 15%. But they're also trying to build this other business because they're seeing this as not necessarily the future of real estate and they see buying as being the future of real estate. So they're really putting their energy, their focus there. I think that's one of the reasons you now have Rich Barton in charge. You know, he's, really, he's really focused on as, as part of as an important part of the future of Zillow.
0: I probably should be asking this question to a current real estate agent, but I would love to hear your perspective. Part of what I wonder is, were there enough agents using that premier agent platform effectively where Zillow started having to do some of this on their own because there just aren't enough agents set up with the right kind of team and the right technology to be able to handle. So, so like Zillow's kind of saturated the consumer mindset, I guess, is where I'm coming from, right? They, they own the brand for for real estate for the, for the consumer in the U.S., they had a tremendous success with the premier agent program and getting people signed up for that. But if those leads that they're passing along, don't all turn into sales, then that also creates churn for that program. And, and so was there just a start, did they maybe they noticed a tipping point of ages have all, all at some point tried this or the ones that are going to try it, have tried it and we're still have some churn. So we've got to start pivoting and kind of grab the, grab the reins. I don't know. Does that make sense at all to you?
4: (laughs) It does. And uh, I worked in brokerages for years, uh, more on the marketing side, but I, I worked with consulting with a lot of agents. And I know that there were agents that really made a great success out of Zillow Leads, and there were ones that weren't. And I think that's been part of Zillow's frustration is that they've never been able to sort of connect. They can create these great leads and then and they can give them to agents, but they don't always convert. And sometimes, I mean, leads, just anyone who's ever been in real estate knows leads don't necessarily convert on the first try. Right. You know, they can convert six months, sometimes even years later. Yep. And so Zillow had experimented with doing, you know, what they call like a warm transfer where you get someone on the phone and then you directly transfer them to the agent. So they've tried a lot of things with the premier agent program, but I think part, partly they felt the need to to kind of get in there and... and Really try things out, and I don't believe that they're just going to stop with licensing their own people. I feel like eventually they're they're getting a little bit more into, I would say, into Redfin space at this point.
0: Uh, And I agree with you. I was talking with Bill Lublin from Century Twenty One in Pennsylvania, and he was like, "Ah, "I don't really see it," but that that was my perspective too. Was Someone else mentioned yesterday. Well, why didn't why wouldn't they just buy Redfin? Because it's a lot easier, and like you've got culture differences. I mean, it's it's one thing. Like remember when they acquired Trulia and Zillow? There was a lot of culture work that Spencer had to do to bring those two organizations together and and make it all work. I mean, I know people who worked at both organizations, and certainly not all of them made it through that transition. So it seems like it's a natural progression that that they can do over time, and not bite off more than they can chew, and also it'll, it'll end up being. Less expensive but yeah so so since you mentioned that i, I also would be curious to get your perspective of and this is total uh projections which are just fun right whether you're right or wrong Yeah. It's, i feel like in the next five years if zillow starts to make progress here they there's no reason why they wouldn't also look at what airbnb does and say of all these homes we're acquiring maybe we just use the algorithm to find the best two percent and we actually don't turn and sell, we turn them into an Airbnb-like product where you could use the same interface to find a short-term, if it's home. And, you know, does that also sound
1: crazy?
4: No, but I'd actually go in a different direction because I was talking to a reporter the other day, uh, Ryan December from the Wall Street Journal, and we were talking about how if there is a foreclosure crisis uh, in the future, in the coming years, how it's going to be different this time because there's buying and because there's also so much more institutional investing. So I yes. think that what Zillow could do is actually instead of going the like Airbnb model, actually go toward either selling properties to companies like Invitation Homes uh-huh. or just becoming a direct renter. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like building a large platform. I mean that, that's absolutely a possibility. Totally. Especially system. if they get stuck with, you know, with homes that they can't sell if the market suddenly shifts. That yep. could be a direction they would go in.
0: Uh, Rich Barton has talked before about how easy it has been for them to raise capital, but capital is also capital in the sense of whether it's an institutional investor giving the money to Zillow to then do that or, I mean, it, it, yeah, when you just look at the money flowing around, that makes total sense that, that there's that opportunity. Well, the last question for you, um, on the MLS front, was it a surprise to you or, or those you've talked with that Zillow decided to go down the path of being a full-on partner with the National Association Realtor and the MLS as part of this adjustment?
4: Well, I certainly think it's interesting. I used to work at Realtor.com about a decade ago. And I know one of the problems has always been getting the data and getting the data faster. And that was one of Redfin's key advantages. Uh, one of the reasons people loved Redfin's app more accurate and and listings went up faster, which is increasingly important in a market right now where we median home price, uh, median home like data on market just keep dropping. So
0: this yeah. is so great. This is just so fun about talking to so many people in such a short period of time, which is different than how we normally do it. But we were talking in the main news portion that um, one of our employees here at Do You Convert was mentioning that. And Realtor.com tried for 10 plus years to say, we've got better data than anyone else. And it never seemed to. to they to- did
4: for a while, but they did it through individual relationships with MLSs, like over 800 at a time. And that was just really hard to manage. You have to have, you have, to have a whole team for for, you know, getting all that data and cleaning it up.
0: But it's interesting to hear how Redfin seems to have this like whisper referral campaign where the consumer, not the pro- like the professionals in realtor.com knew they had the better information, more accurate, but the consumers have picked up in a different way. Redfin's message especially during the pandemic. So the, our employer was saying they had multiple friends who were just like, why, why are you using anything but Redfin? Because if the house is only in on market for three days, you may not even see that it was available on Zillow. Yeah. And so it's interesting that you brought that up because that's definitely something we've been hearing.
4: Well, and the other thing that probably doesn't get talked about as much is there still is that desire to create that national MLS. There's the you know the broker public portal, which has been... a it's been a project that's been in the works for a long, long time. And, you know, it hasn't, it, it, it's gone through some transitions and it's never really come out. And I think that was always designed to be a quote unquote Zillow killer, but they couldn't, they couldn't get it together. And you had a lot of really smart people with a lot of experience in real estate have worked on that project, but it just, it hasn't happened. And so there really isn't anything to challenge Zillow's dominance in terms of recognition. I mean, but the interesting thing is, Redfin cracked the top three, I think, a couple months back, because it was always Zillow, Trulia, and uh, Mm Realtor.com. And now Redfin is up in the top three. So that is very interesting.
0: Okay, I promise. Last last question slash (laughs) prediction thing is Is there any way that you see one of the top six companies, uh, Open Door, Redfin, Keller Williams, creating a true strategic partnership or acquisition with another? And if so, who might your guest be if you had to roll the dice?
4: Well, I'm really interested to see what happens with Opendoor and Redfin because they have a partnership. But now that Opendoor is going public, well, going public through a special purpose acquisition yeah. company, so kind of going public through the back end, uh-huh. they're going to be a publicly traded company. And they have this relationship with Redfin uh, as as partners. I. Which has been, you know, it's been in and out sort of, there's been a lot of talk about it. So I don't know what's going to happen there. And you do have the other companies. I mean, I'm, I really want to see companies like Relogy and Keller Williams figure out a response to this because otherwise, you know, they're, they're really going to be in trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the options are becoming more limited. That's for sure. They're going to have to try a Hail Mary pretty soon, it feels like. Yeah. Well, thanks again so much for hopping on with us and encourage everyone to go check out uh, all of Deidre's other articles. You've been writing for over 10 years in real estate? Uh Uh-huh, absolutely. Lots of great stuff out there. And we met on Twitter. So good things can come from Twitter too. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks again. Thank you. And we are back with Bill Lublin, the CEO of Century 21 Advantage Gold, and you will remember him previously being on the podcast in the midst, in the early days of the pandemic, where we were trying to get a read on what was going on out there. And at the time, Bill, everything in the the great commonwealth, as they say in the state of Pennsylvania, was shut down completely.
2: We were. As they say. We weren't. you have made it to the other side, my friend. Congratulations. I know. I know. I read a post from a friend of mine recently. He said, So you remember when we started and we were three weeks in and we thought, yeah, three weeks we can do this. And now <laughs> it's seven months later. Yes. But yeah, we were we were shut down for almost a quarter of a year.
0: As the as the CEO of a brokerage, uh, what is your take on on Zillow's decision to hire salaried agents and help them sell their iBuying wears.
2: You know, it's really funny. I mean, if you go on social, you'll see people going, we did a thing. And like they built a gazebo in their backyard or they bought a boat or bought a new car. Right. When Zillow did a thing, (laughs) they actually got the entire residential real estate industry in an uproar because the thing that they did was something they had promised not to do almost since their inception. And they had been you know, they have been continually saying, we don't want to be a brokerage. We don't want to be a brokerage. A number of years ago, they bought one of the companies they bought, because they were a big company for acquiring things. One of the companies they bought were, were licensed in all 50 states, thereby making them licensed in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. And everybody got up in arms and said, Oh, is getting into the real estate business. And uh, Zillow said, no, we're, never going, we're not a brokerage. We don't want to be a brokerage. We never want to be a brokerage. It's messy. And then now they um, are becoming a, a real estate brokerage as a, an outgrowth of their iBuying business. So look, I'm, I'm not a big stock guy. And the people that uh, run Zillow are far, far smarter than I am. But they are a company that has been built like most tech companies on speed and velocity. Yeah. And, you know, they've made billions of dollars without ever showing a profit or without showing, without consistently showing a profit. I, I can't say that. They've had a few quarters yep. where they've come out in yep. the black. And yet people buy and sell the, the, yeah, you know, people have, have created wealth. Absolutely. Through their IPO and, one wow. of the
0: only Twitter kerfuffles that I've been involved with was some random person when I was recommending that people might look at the stock when it was down in the 30s, might be attractive. Right. <laughs> they're like, you're crazy. I'm shorting this thing. It's never going anywhere. And I was like, okay, fine. Now it's at 100. It's right. I'm Indeed. curious what you think of this is that Spencer Raskoff, the, f- the former CEO of Zillow, mm-hmm. I think I have this imaginary conversation where Rich Barton says, hey, man, let's go to lunch. And I've been thinking and I think we need to go in this direction. And I can hear Spencer being a generally good guy saying, uh, I can't do that because I've been telling everyone for the last however many years that this is not where we're going. And I, I texted this to someone when it happened. I said, I think Rich Barton just said, hold my beer, man. I'm coming in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to make this happen. Well, I, I, make I don't think, promise. I'm
2: not sure that there was lunch involved. <laughs> when Barton came in and Raskoff left, it was obvious that. The powers that be within Zillow wanted to move in a different direction.
0: Well, yeah. and on the podcast earlier in the news segment, we, we went through the notorious ROBs article um, that yeah. had been shared around, which you know talked about don't put Zillow in the corner. And part of me wonders if part of this initial part of, of the iBuying experience where they were giving the homes they needed to sell to local agents to sell was saying... There's still too much pushback. This is harder than it needs to be. If these are our own people thinking in our own way, saying what we're training them to say and do and act, this all might be easier. So there's, there's part of me that's like, they're always focused on the customer. They're always focused on how do we scale the business and get more profit. But, but it also seems like they'll play with a partner until they just say, look, it's not worth this much pain. Yeah,
2: right, right. You know, wait, listen, if let's, I'll tell you what, why don't we do this? This week you make dinner. And next week, I'll make dinner. And on Sunday, you know what? This isn't working for me. Right. They, look what they're doing. They're not hiring agents. They're actually licensing their existing employees or furloughed employees or whatever. Interesting. I don't think it's so much about the consumer. I think it's about generating income, controlling the agent, yep. um, being able to mandate what they do, when they do, and how they do it, which you can't do with licensees, with the independent contractor agreement. I'm not going to back Zillow into a corner, okay? And if Zillow, if the industry does nothing and Zillow thinks they have to do something, they're going to do it. And if the industry or members of the industry, do, like I don't, I read well, yeah, that. I read, it's that, I read it's the, that pillow, the
0: dog kind of thing, right? Like they're going to do yeah. whatever it is that they need to do kind of regardless.
2: Right, yeah, they're not. I don't think other than they, they don't want to make things harder than they need to, to be, certainly. And I don't think they want to alienate. You know, they have a lot of balls in the air right now, right? Mm-hmm. They have. I can't quite figure out if they're trying to become open door, Redfin, a little bit of
0: both with Airbnb on the side or what? Nah, are they
2: doing? Airbnb has nothing to do with it. But confusing them with Redfin is a really big mistake. Other than, other than uh, Redfin and they are both Really, really good at making a really, really attractive website, but I think you could say Compass too, but they're, they're all different business models they, they truly are and I just and wonder Zeno, how much crossover of those models we might see over the next couple of I, I don't I, I mean people keep conflating them, and I, I don't think that's actually accurate. I mean, Compass, I think, is looking towards their IPO right and, and they'll get their. Look, once they have their IPO, we'll see how long their top team is there. Exactly. Or they, they say, well, it's time for us to turn it over to the next generation. <laughs> and then they go out and become, you know, like they start running a VC for something, right. you know, probably some form of real estate tech. Mm-hmm. Glenn Kelman has, has shown that he's an extremely adroit, very, very bright pivoter also. Yeah. And he has sort of, he, he started out with an employee... And consumer discount model, and has sort of moved more towards a traditional model. Mm-hmm. He he's done that very well. He and Zip started at about the same time, and Zip Realty ended up being a CRM that was acquired by Realogy, And he's he's still a, a real power in the industry. I think this is about facilitating their facilitating their eye buying, but the other thing that their eye buying business does is for every two and a half people, every two and a half listings they get, they generate 97 and a half potential sellers. Yeah, they're they're getting the leads. Now, I don't know where they're going to go with that. Right now, we're in an inventory short market. And I, I said to you when we were setting up to come on, you got to tell all your home builders, they got to build more, they got to complete more. They got to find the wood somewhere. They got to get the windows (laughs) out of the warehouse and help because there's a tremendous demand. I mean, in Philadelphia, in the city, I think we're at 2.4 months inventory. And in the counties, we're at about 1.6 months inventory. And a balanced market is six months. Yeah. So they, they may be, and again, I'm not suggesting that I have any clue what they're doing. They may be thinking... Well, we can either take the 97.5% of the people that inquire about iBuying and then don't sell to us, and we could sell them to Bill Lublin or Joe Blow or whomever and get a 35% referral on that and not have to do any work. Or if we have a well trained sales force, maybe we can just list them and we can get some share of the $100 billion a year paid in real estate commissions every year so so i don't know where they're going I to i don't go. know
0: how they, they couldn't know. it would be really hard it's, it's the cookie jar is open the parents have left the room <laughs> is the yeah, kid right. to take the cookie right. or not at some point only because when you control the platform where the consumer is looking at it any ability to add a button on things that you own or have a listing of that that right. another listing doesn't have a button that can do some magical thing different or Offer a different experience, that's going to be really hard.
2: Right. So, I mean, look, (laughs) Zillow's going to do whatever Zillow needs to do to um, make themselves more profitable, to increase the, you know, they have obligations to their shareholders. They're not beholden to anybody else in the real estate business. They're going to be like any other brokerage now. They're going to join the National Association of Realtors. They're going to join local MLSs. They'll no longer have to pay for uh, feeds, you know, from any of these MLSs, they don't have to negotiate as an outsider, you know, that we have an IDX agreement. So, so what does that mean? Builders
0: know and fear the term IDX because the feeds from their websites always break and they're not sure what the heck is going on, but, but
2: what is, well, I think all your builders ought to stop trying to do it on the cheap and they ought to hire a good real estate broker. And then they wouldn't even have to worry about it. They would just give me a call and say, bill, I wouldn't be surprised if that's another thing that Zillow
0: ends up considering of how do we help uh, make this MLS process as smooth as
2: possible. Well the process the process is not the process is not really so terrible. The industry works on making it smoother. You know, I I chaired the NARS MLS Issues and Policies Committee a number of years ago. Hmm. And and one of the things that we were concerned about and that MLSs around the country are concerned about is how do you make The transmission of that information, you know that the IDX feed is a feed that that we share with each other for advertising purposes, so that each of us can have all of the stock on all of our websites. So I don't. Again, I don't know what their long term plan is. I think the team there, they're they're, look, they're they're very very bright people. They've made a ton of money. They built a tremendous machine, Uh but you know, they're not, there are people at Zillow that are friends, but the company's not my friend any more than any company is my friend. Oh, shoot. Well, Bill, I told you this would be 10 minutes. I
0: have no idea how long time has passed, but I appreciate your your insight as always. Thanks for joining us on the show and uh, we will be in touch again, sir.
2: Absolutely. Great talking to you, Kevin. Thanks.
0: All right, now we're joined with another former guest of the podcast, Sharon Carpenter, a Coldwell banker, realtor in Columbus, Ohio, as well as uh, an owner of his own national speaking program, talks to real estate agents across the country. I follow your Twitter feed and I feel like I get to travel the country because you always take pictures of interesting places and do interesting things. You you don't just hop straight on. You you drive a lot, actually. I drive if I can, because
5: I enjoy the wind the windshield time. Kevin, listening to podcasts, like- like market-proof marketing and uh, <laughs> stuff you guys do. But I look, when I go to a, a city to speak, I, I, I try and get a feel for the area. So I try and visit the local craft breweries, play golf if I can. Uh, certainly if it's near a college town, I'm gonna visit the campus, uh-huh. uh, the stadiums. And so, so I love to, to truly get a feel for the areas that I travel to.
0: Yeah, and Sean's a regular blogger too. So make sure you check him out on Twitter. You'll get not just those amazing insights of different landscapes across the country, but some great blog posts as well. So Sean, uh, Zillow's move. First question, which I think I know the answer to. Surprising, not surprising. Not surprising. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. And, not surprising. It, you know, it's, it, it's probably just been between the lines. And it, I think anytime you ask, is Zillow going to become a brokerage? You probably know the answer when you ask that question.
0: Yeah. Right? I, when I was talking to Bill yesterday, I said, it's a little bit like the parents have all left the kitchen. The cookie jar is open, filled with the kids' favorite cookies. And you don't even necessarily tell the kid he can or cannot take a cookie. You just leave. What's going to happen eventually? Sure. <laughs> the, kid, the cookies are going to be eaten. So next question then quickly is, is scared, not scared.
5: Not scared. I, I don't see how it's going to impact my business. And when I say my business, John Carpenter Inc. is really, you know, I, I don't work for Coal Banker. I work with Coal Banker. Most, uh-huh. most agents around the country are independent contractors from everything I'm hearing about this move. Uh, Zillow is going to be hiring employees license them. Mm-hmm. They will serve as their uh, listing agents on these properties. I, I don't see them. Maybe I'm wrong, Kevin, and maybe it will evolve into this. But the difference between what I do and what an employee of a company does is I build relationships with my customers and clients and try and earn repeat and referral business.
0: Yeah. And, and I was like, listening to, to Brian Boero and uh, the, the gentleman at Curator yesterday did a great yeah. interview too. And some of their points were very interesting to, to me, which made a lot of sense as well, is that the best agents are very entrepreneurial. They're not necessarily people who would make great employees in the traditional sense of you must do X, Y, Z. We're going to measure every metric. And the best of the best also have an income level that a salaried position might not be attractive for. And, Correct. and so those were two other interesting ideas. And so, so you talked about Sean Carpenter Inc. So your, your personal brand, again, for our audience of home builders, who their brand is the company they work for. Is the builder. That that's the niche that no national company can really attack as long as you continue to invest in it.
5: Oh, of course. You know, I mean, I've spent the morning, Kevin, uh, sending emails, video text messages, text messages, and phone calls to to people in my sphere of influence, people that at some point in time might have a real estate need, might think of you know uh, of real estate or know someone who does, and if they can think of me among the many realtors they know, and and that's really the same thing. I, I would think the best new home sales reps would be doing is not just churning and burning and getting to the closing table and on to the next one is what about those people that they've helped for the last six to eight months? They built a relationship with. they, they felt comfortable top, popping into their model home to ask a question when they were bringing their family by to show them the, their home building going up and, and being finished. Those people know people who might want to build. Those people know yeah. people who might want to buy. And I think it, if they're just after the closing, just you know, ending that relationship. I think it's a huge opportunity and I, that it sounds to me like that's what the Zillow transaction agent will do.
0: Yeah. I, so what, what am I missing? Do I, am I only connected to the people who are calm and rational and focused on their business? Or when I, when I look at Inman or some other place and it's just OMG, how could this be? What, what are other agents missing or not thinking about then? Why, why are they, why all the hubbub? Yeah, I, I don't know, Kevin. Maybe they're the same people who are still waiting for the internet to
5: replace <laughs> agents. You yeah. know, it's when just when can
0: the MLS go back behind the, the curtain so they have to talk to me at every step of the way, the, those same individuals? Yeah, it's l- listen, It's all real estate's local. There's so much...
5: I do a, I do a presentation around the country called "Getting in Tune with Your Audience: What Real Estate Rock Stars Can Learn from Real Rock Stars," and it's kind of a look at the rock and roll business and real estate business overlaid. and Think about this for a second, Kevin. At, at one point in time, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Beach Boys, and Bob Dylan were all at the top of their game.
0: Mm.
5: Yet there was enough ears to go around. <laughs> one person making a great album didn't stop the other band from making a great album, right? Yeah. And Glenn Frey there's a great quote by Glenn Frey, the lead singer of the Eagles. The late lead singer of the Eagles, he said, you know, when he was younger in the rock and roll business, he was worried that other people putting out good records would stop him from putting out good records. And then he realized that other people putting out good records isn't going to stop him from putting out good records. And so, listen, there's going to be 5.1 million sales, yeah, residential real estate sales this year. There'll be 5.1 million sales next year. (laughs) There'll be 5.1 million sales a year after that. And so, there's plenty of business out there. So I don't know why people get so chicken little. The sky is falling over something everybody almost they knew was coming.
0: It's funny. There's people in my world who anytime someone else starts a a new home podcast of any type, they're like, Oh my gosh, can you believe it? And I'm like, are you, I know you're trying to trigger me, but I don't get it. This doesn't, this doesn't panic me in the least, the more more the merrier. And if anything, I don't want the people who aren't, the folks who should be in my tribe feeling like they're like they're stuck. I don't really like this market proof marketing thing, but I gotta listen to it because it's the only one, right? It helps everyone figure out the the right person that 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 meets their needs, and yeah. so I totally get that. Now the MLS is the other thing I'm trying to ask everyone about because I know enough about the MLS to be legal and not get fined. That's how much right. I know about the MLS, <laughs> but. Zillow deciding that as part of this process they're going to their salaried agents will become part of NAR at least the majority of them and abide by those rules as well as uh, participate in the MLS to get their data that's not traditionally been Zillow's approach and just what what does it mean for f- from that perspective uh, can people once they have an IDX feed like to your own site can you still pick and choose is there laws of reciprocity there how, how does all that work
5: I think it was a brilliant Trump move by Zillow. All the people that are haters, right? The Zillow haters are like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to tell my broker to stop sending our feed to them. Uh-huh. Until they become a broker, join the IDX, and then you have to distribute your listings to them unless, unless there's a broker out there that is bold enough to not distribute to any of them. right. For, for, for a Keller Williams or a Coal banker or a XYZ mm-hmm. in, in Topeka, Kansas to say, we will only have our listings on our site. We will not have any other listings and we will not share our listings with other people. Now, that's a conversation at the kitchen table. I love to hear that script or dialogue to say, now, Kevin, just want to let you know that we will only be advertising your house to the people in my company. It will not be advertised to anybody else. So, I hope a lot of people drive by and see the sign, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I think that's the, the interesting play is that the people that didn't want to share their information, it's now going to be shared.. Uh-huh. Because, and listen, I got into this, I, I left this comment on Brett Calthar, who's a good, good friend of mine who used to work with Zillow, kind of in the role that, that Jay Thompson was in. People always say they're stealing our leads. They're stealing our leads, they're stealing our leads. And my question is always like, so if I drive past your yard sign today, Kevin, at XYZ Realty. And when I get home, after writing down the address, I call my agent with slippery slope realty. Yep. Did the sign steal the lead? Because that shouldn't that be your lead? Yeah. So I just I don't understand that. And so MLS, I think it's listen, the whole point of it, MLS stands for multiple listing system, right? Not magical listing system. (laughs) It's It's going to be an opportunity for me, if I have a buyer, to find a home that maybe a Zillow agent is listing that matches my client's needs why wouldn't I want to have that available to me?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, it, it's the most interesting part of this to me, because I think the agent part was, you saw it on the roadmap, but I, I as much as I've read about Zillow wanting to go a different route uh, besides the MLS, that, that was the big adjustment uh, that I think is going to impact the market as much as anyone else. Cause for now, anyway, it's just, I buyer purchases being sold by those agents. Again, right. if that, Changes or not, it, it, then then they become more of a red approach. Where again, um no yeah, so yep, it's in an interesting world out there. But I, I agree, there's nothing to be panicked. But I, I got to be honest, I was hoping someone would come on here and just lose their mind because that's good for that's good for entertainment value of the <laughs> show, good,
5: good podcast juice. <laughs> Listen, I, I I'll be curious to see how many of the agents that are currently Zillow Premier agents spending money right to get leads will continue to spend money with them. I'm sure Zillow knows that by making this decision, many people then will stop sending money. But some probably won't. they like, hey, if I can continue to get leads in my area, not affected by iBuyers at this point in time, as of the recording of this, you know, Zillow doesn't have a presence with iBuying in central Ohio. It doesn't mean they won't tomorrow. But I assume there'll be plenty of agents because they get a good return on investment. I know an agent that spends $25,000 a month with Zillow. For leads, wow! But her ROI is almost four times that. She spends three hundred thousand dollars a year and can attribute about one point four million in sales to those leads. Now she has a tremendous team, yeah. deep ISA integration that literally right. every day is just churning right. those leads. But does it work for someone like her? Yeah, she's getting four x. And again,
0: uh, that's the other the last point here is um, this idea of going direct to consumer and skipping Zillow or any syndication service. That person who has that kind of team that's necessary to to respond to the Zillow leads fast enough to engage them to get them to the point where they can get that transaction is the same person who, if they ever need to decide to go another direction, it's that same team that's going to help them do direct to consumer the best way possible. So that's that's the thing about this pandemic is just where things start aligning of whatever I need to change now or do now, that would also help me in the, in the next couple of years, that just seems like a, a, a no brainer. Now, if you want to go that route again, you're, you as a, a solopreneur has said, Hey, it's all about the relationships and I'm going to do speaking and other things on top of that. So that, but, but for those people who are concerned about volume and scale, uh, that's a really interesting point that, that hey, well, let's,
5: Listen, there's other people out there. They could partner with realtor.com and get a, a footprint. They could, they could do Google right? And, and really just dig into that, you know, people typing in homes in, insert town here. Yeah. Uh, or neighborhood could, or zip code. They or could, or yeah. They all those things. Could really, you know, saturate YouTube with pre-roll videos and become that face that everybody sees. Like, you know, I mean, every town in America has that one car dealer that yep. uses <laughs> the banjo and says, we're dealing or whatever it might be that yep. everybody knows. They might not use them, but top of mind awareness, a lot of people do,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks, Sean for hey. hopping on and giving your perspective. And I like that shirt, my friend. Uh, you also, to so have you, the Ad doctor and the team. <laughs> I will also, uh, Sh- Sean does a weekly
5: uh, weekly we, show. Yeah. It started during shelter in place. It's called lost lyrics. I do it on Facebook live and I have a great time kind of, uh, quizzing. It's kind of like a musical trivia uh, night.
0: Yeah. So if, if you're one of those people who like to hang out at BW threes or other places with that trivia box, well, now you can eat your wings at home, hang out with Sean. And have a good time. All right, exactly. Thanks, good Kevin. Good to see
1: you. Special week has to be about Zillow, right? Yeah. No doubt. To this week's question your... of the
0: week has to be about Zillow. So <laughs> here we go. How do you feel about Zillow's hiring of agents as employees, salaried employees to sell their existing homes? Surprised, not surprised, or think this is just the beginning of an evil, evil plot to take over the entire planet? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the dark side. I feel like this is Star Wars or something. <laughs>
0: But really, I would just love to hear everyone's feedback on, on this because from the very beginning, and I, this is complete hearsay, I do not know that this is true, but I remember someone hurriedly coming up to me at the Builders show, gosh, seven years ago, maybe. said, do you know what Zillow's trying to do? I said, no, tell me what is Zillow trying to do? They want 1% of all transactions from home builders. That's their goal is to get 1% of revenue from all home building companies. And I said, that's interesting. I know, and they said, I know. Isn't that terrible? I said, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if they do a terrible job at it, then yes. But to me, they'd have to create an awful lot of value to make you want to give them 1% of your revenue. Yeah. And Until they do that, you don't have to. At least if you maintain a good brand, do digital correctly, have a great website, all these other pieces that we talked about. So I'm still conflicted on that end of there's a lot of builders who are unwilling to invest in marketing and selling their homes well to begin with. And so, yeah, they should just build great homes and let someone like Zillow take care of the rest. There are those people out there. So in one sense, I get excited about the idea of hitting an easy button, even if it's more expensive because you're paying per transaction. Yeah, Uh, yeah, there's just lots of different feelings going going through. But but more than anything, the reason I keep coming back, even when Zillow makes mistakes, which they'll tell you they've made mistakes before too in in how they've rolled things out or done something, is they adapt and their focus on the consumer aligns with my focus on the consumer. Hopefully everyone who's listening, your focus on the customer Because that has to be our guiding light as marketers. We can't just create efficient campaigns that are completely out of touch with customer needs, wants, and desires. So in that sense, we're all aligned, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah, I think, I think there's plenty. So let's, let's hear from you. I've said enough. Let's, let's get some feedback. All right. As always, you can call in with comments, questions, Brilliant statements on this episode or any other at 404-369-2595 or email them to show at doyouconvert.com. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.
3: See See ya.